now we get to shift gears to what we're going to talk about for the next number of weeks. And, and we're going to take a look at, uh, at the Lord's Prayer. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6. One of the versions is found in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. But I know this, that there are a number of people that when they hear about prayer, they don't quite know what to do. And many of you, perhaps some of you, will be going to lunch after this, uh, after this service. So I invite you now to watch this little how-to uh, how um, seminar. It's a very brief seminar on what needs to happen for pre-meal prayer. Hopefully, this will alleviate some of your concerns. So I invite you to look at the video. So as you go out to lunch this afternoon, now you know what you need to do as far as the prayer goes. But when it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, for some reason, we all know it's important, but we fail to do it. We get scared, we get intimidated, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But what I want to address right now is Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. He prayed often. We'll talk about that in a few moments. And, he, and in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about prayer. talks about what needs to happen. And he says this, starting in verse 9, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we pray now as we begin to dissect this powerful prayer, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our minds that we may understand, and open our hearts that we would be people who understand how much you enjoy it when your people pray. May we not forget that. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us now. And we pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and glorified. And that no one would hear anything I say, but only what it is that you would want them to hear. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray. And I want to address this very quickly, and I want us to realize that prayer is for everyone. It's for everyone, and He truly does know best. So you, yes, you, I'm talking to every single one of us, can pray. Unlike what, uh, what John Chris was talking about there, it isn't the super spiritual. And by the way, I want to put this aside very quickly. I don't consider myself a super spiritual person. I'm a broken person just like everybody else. And so, so please, if I go to lunch with you, don't look at me and just say, he's got to pray, he's the most spiritual one. That, we're not going to go that route, all right? We're just going to pray. But everyone can pray. And prayer simply defined as this. It is communicating with God. That's it. Just as I talk with my wife, as I talk with my daughters, as I talk with different people, that's the same type of, of, of communication we're talking about. We share our needs with one another. We hear from one another. Now, granted, God doesn't have any needs. It's a little different for him. A lot different for him, actually. 
but yet it is simply defined as communicating with God. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. I want you to take comfort in this, that you're not alone. In your Bibles, flip to Romans chapter 8. And listen to what happens here. It's almost like God knew we were going to have issues or anxieties about prayer. And that people wouldn't know what to pray. So in Romans chapter 8, listen to these words, starting at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Notice the next phrase. We do not know what we ought to pray for. I want you to think about that for a few moments. How many times have you said, I need to be praying about something, but you don't know what to say. You don't know how to do it. You don't know the proper words. Well, God understands that. And he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we might not have the proper verbiage. Nobody ever has the proper verbiage. God is a holy God. He's absolute holiness. We need help to have our prayers be understood. There was a 4th century preacher by the name of Chrysostom. Fascinating individual. And he gave this analogy about prayer, and I think it's very appropriate. A young boy wanted to give a gift to his father who had been away for an extended period of time. So he wanted to give this gift. He wanted to make, it, he wanted to make his father's homecoming an absolutely memorable experience. And so he goes to his mom. He says, what should I do? And the mother looks at him and says, go out to the garden and pick a beautiful bouquet of flowers for your father. He would appreciate that. And so this young boy goes out into the garden and he picks flowers he picks weeds, he picks grass, anything that was on the ground, he completely grabbed it and bundled it together. And he said, mom, this is the bouquet, this is, this is the gift that I'm going to give to my dad. So his dad showed up a few hours later and his mom looked at, uh, looked at her husband and said, this is from your son. And she presented to him a beautiful bouquet of flowers. No weeds, no grass, just flowers. Our prayers are weedy. Our prayers have weeds in them. They have some stuff in them that's not all that good. But the way Jesus Christ works, the way the Holy Spirit works, is that He intercedes and He says, I'm going to present this as a beautiful bouquet of flowers to God. We're free to say what we need to say, and the Holy Spirit interprets it and presents it as a beautiful bouquet. Chrysostom was on to something when he said this in the 4th century, and I believe he came to that conclusion as he was reading Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, which we just read. Prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. It is so powerful that, that uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He says, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Prayer is not the least thing that we can do. It is the greatest thing that we can do. So when we pray for one another, let's understand that this is a monumental experience. 
that God gets involved in this. And so we pick it up. Now we're back to Matthew chapter 6, looking at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Jesus Christ is now saying, class is in session. I'm about to give you some pointers on how you should pray. Jesus prayed often. You look at this prayer and you can say, well, that's a pretty short prayer. So obviously that's all we need to do. Jesus obviously prayed a lot of short prayers. Not necessarily true. Jesus was known to oftentimes go away to lonely places and pray. We find throughout the Gospels that there are more than a few times when Jesus Christ prayed an entire evening, prayed through the night as the apostles were were sleeping. Prayer is something that Jesus did frequently. And it's incredibly important for us to realize this. We need to be teachable when it comes to prayer. We need to be teachable, and this is why I think that Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. He doesn't say, hey, figure it out on your own. He says, are you teachable enough? Can I give you some pointers? Can I help you along the way? Perhaps you're here this morning, and you don't know if you're praying properly or if you're doing this correctly. Well, we take comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit interprets those prayers. Jesus Christ is interceding for us right now. But yet, we also, as we pray, we learn what, what it means to be in tune with God and what His will is for our lives. And then, if you think you should pray, you should pray. That's what Jesus says here. This, then, is how you should pray. On Thursday night, my computer died. Very disappointing, and for me, uh, I'm not a tech person. It drove me nuts. Thought I could figure it out. Worked on it for five hours. Could not figure it out. Got increasingly irritated with it. Sent a text to Don and Heidi, and I said, pray for me right now, because the fuse is lit, and I'm about ready to explode. So I reached this conclusion. I need to get a new computer. So went to the Apple store at Del Monte. On, uh, on Friday afternoon. Went there, sat down, well, I didn't sit down, um, and so I'm sitting there talking to the sales associate and looking at all the different laptops, made a decision that this is the laptop I'm going to get, and, and uh, we were good to go with that. She has the laptop delivered to her. As she has the laptop delivered to her, she and I are talking, and she says this, we're about to get hit, get ready, we're about to get hit. I'm thinking, that's odd conversation to have with a customer. Well, I look up, two young gentlemen rush into the door, rush through the door, and make a beeline for the laptop table as I'm standing there. They began to disconnect. They were robbing the stores, what they were doing. They grabbed all eight laptops. Now, me being the brilliant person that I am, had a laptop right here, and I said, I don't think they're going to get this one. I'm going to hold on to it. So as I go and grab the laptop to hold on to it, because I'm going to be this macho guy, I'm holding on to the laptop. As I'm holding on to the laptop, and these guys are taking every other laptop on the table, I look around, and I realize there isn't a single Apple employee doing anything at this time. I'm an idiot if I continue holding on to this laptop. So... I quickly let go of the laptop. They took it from me. They go. 
there are two individuals that are, that are getting ready to enter the store, and they see what's going on inside. They go to barricade the door by leaning into it. And these two gentlemen, or these two individuals, ran through the door and shattered it completely. Glass went everywhere. Everywhere. And I sat there, and I was just in this state of shock. I'm going, this is really odd. The sales associate's looking at me, and, she's, and we're looking back and forth at one another, and, and, and all of a sudden, I, was, I felt this prompting, for lack of a better word, to say, John, here's an opportunity for you. So, Lord, I said, help me as I process through this. I realized that she was pretty shaken up. So I looked at her, her name was Robin, and I said, Robin, how are you doing right now? She says, well, this happens every two weeks, so I guess I'm sort of used to it. And I said, oh, wow. She says, but it's still disheartening, and it's, and it's unsettling. And so she looked at me and she said, how are you doing? And, and, I, and I wanted to look at her and say, can we just wrap up this thing and let, get me out the door? But I looked at her and said, I said, that was in her. I've never had that happen before. And so we ended up talking. Over the course of the next two hours, we kept talking. And in the course of that two hours, I kept asking the Lord, Lord, give me some insight. Help me through this. Learned an awful lot about her. And I invited her to come to church and all these types of things. I told her about, a little bit about Jesus Christ and, and how great He is. And she said, thank you for taking the time to do that. I said, well, thank you. And then uh, go to get ready to pay for it. And she says, I want you to know that because you experienced this robbery, we're going to knock $200 off the price of the laptop. So I'm going, okay, let me know when it's going to happen again so I'll get a higher-end <laughs> computer. My point is this. If you think you should pray, you should pray. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, you can do that. And then Jesus opens it up with these words. Our Father. Our Father. And perhaps as He's sharing this with the people, they're looking at Him going, what did you call Him? How did you do that? Jesus Christ says, Our Father. Our Father. He's addressing God Almighty. And he's addressing him in a very common way. The Greek would talk about him being called Abba, which means daddy. In essence, daddy. That's what, that's what Jesus Christ is doing here. And so for the people hearing this for the first time, it was startling to them. And the reason why is this, is because this is a problem. It was a problem in their world in which they lived. Various deities required different combinations of names and attributes so that they would then respond to the prayer that you're offering up. So they would have these incredibly long introductory comments when they went to pray. And they wouldn't just get right to it. And, and so, so what Jesus Christ is doing is, He's revolutionizing prayer. He's saying, you have a need, go directly to the Father. 
Go directly to him. You don't have to fill in all these different things. Yes, you need to honor him. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But you need, to, you need to keep in mind, you can go directly to him. You can pray wherever you are. That's a revolutionary thing for Jesus Christ to say. The people had no clue on this. They thought they had to go through all of these different hoops and, or jump through these hoops and, and over these hurdles. But Jesus Christ says, our Father, He goes right to it. Now because it's Father's Day, and, and I want to address this real quickly, our view of a father may need adjusting when praying to God, our Father. My relationship with my father is not all that great. It's getting better. But yet... Growing up, my dad was a very distant individual. He could talk to anybody else, but when it came to his own family, he really struggled with that an awful lot. And so for me, it's difficult at times when I'm praying to realize, and, and, I, and I call out to God as my father, it's really hard for me to realize that he's enjoying my presence. But that's what's going on here, and, and I invite you to turn back in your Bibles to Psalm 86. Psalm 86, and I want you to listen to this. Because this is the type of God that we have. Psalm 86 says this, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That description... Psalm 86, verse 15. That description is found all throughout the Old Testament. It's the way God describes Himself. So when He's talking about our Father, He's talking about a God who is slow to anger, abounding in love, is forgiving, is merciful. And so whatever your relationship is like with your earthly father, and perhaps it's a great one, and and that's a great thing, but perhaps it's not that great. Hear me clearly on this. God the Father is a God who cares about you, who is abundant in mercy, who is forgiving, who enjoys having you around, who enjoys interacting with you. It is the way God defines Himself. And then He says this. He says, Our Father in Heaven. There is something amazing going on. And what Jesus Christ is doing at this point is reminding us that God is not from around these parts. He's in heaven. And when you are praying, when you are praying, you need to stop for a moment and consider what's happening. You are talking to this amazing God who is in heaven. And what is heaven? Heaven is simply God's presence. It's where He is. It's, it's, it's complete holiness. It's, it, there's, there's no need for anything else. Everything there is perfect. This encounter that we have with God is so monumental that God is in heaven and He is now interacting with us. This is the most amazing interaction that any human being can have on this planet. Between God and you talking and and communicating with one another. And Jesus Christ is saying, that God who is in heaven wants to interact with you. He wants to hear your prayers so you can offer them up to Him. But keep in mind, He is there. You're not. 
And as we pray, what ends up happening is God gets us moving. Gets us moving to become more in line with who He is and what He desires to do. And then He says this, Hallowed be your name. You've heard me over the years, uh, over the last couple of years when I preach from the Old Testament and we're talking about the, the, the people Israel. You've heard me over and over again say how they never really seem to get it figured out very well. And when they do get it figured out, they tend to fall apart relatively quickly. They're a lot like us. But for all their faults, God's people in the Old Testament always had this thing right. And it's this. They had an amazing sense of God's greatness, His mercy, and His holiness. So much so that they would never say His name, Jehovah. They just never would. They held Him up so high, they wouldn't write the name, they wouldn't say the name, they wouldn't do anything about that. And so what they do is they would simply say, the words, the name. That's it. The name means this. It embodies everything that is true of God. Hallowed be your name. Meaning, hallowed be you. Your holiness. Your righteousness. Your love. Your creation. Your, your, uh, your willingness to be faithful to us. Your long-suffering. Your patience. Your forbearance. All that is true of God is what we're talking about when we say the name. It's who He is. It's the very essence of who He is. And so Jesus Christ says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Come straight to Him. And this is what we come to find out to be true of God. That He delights in You. So feel free to pray. He enjoys it. He enjoys interacting with you. That's where God is leading us. That's where Jesus Christ is leading us when it comes to this prayer. And over the course of the next few weeks, as we continue dissecting this prayer, we'll come to find out again and again that God takes care of us in remarkable ways. A woman called a pastor, uh, called a pastor to come to her house to see her aging father. And as he went into the house, he didn't know much more than this person that her father was aging and that his health was beginning to fail. Didn't know if he was a Christ follower or not. And so he came into the room, went into the man's bedroom, and, and he was sitting there with him, and he, wasn't, he was not sure if he was a Christian. But after, after talking to the man for, for a little while, very quickly he realized this man loves Jesus Christ. And they continued having these conversations over the next few weeks. And, and then uh, the pastor went on vacation and he came back and, and uh, he received a phone call from this woman and said this, I'm not going to believe this, but my father's passed away. And he immediately went back to this conversation that he had with the man the first night that he was there visiting with him. And as he sat there listening to the man talk about Jesus Christ, he noticed that there was an empty chair right by the bed. And so the pastor looked at the man and said, I have to ask, what's the purpose of the empty chair? And the man says this to him, he says, listen, 
I'm going to tell you, but do not tell my daughter because if she finds out about this, she's going to think I'm crazy. He says, I used to really struggle with prayer. And a person came and visited me once and they, they informed me that prayer is simply talking to God and communicating with, with Him. But I couldn't get my mind around that and so the person looked at me and said, all you need to do is put an empty chair in front of you and prayer and start praying to God, pretending as if God is sitting in that prayer, in, in that chair. And says, he says, just imagine God being there and you just talk to Him. So that was the advice this person gave me years ago. And so I've been doing that ever since. And sometimes I will simply pray for hours just talking to this chair. At least that's what my daughter thinks. But I'm talking to God. And we have these marvelous encounters. And so, the pastor went away, like I said, for a few weeks came back. His daughter says, says he passed away and, and uh, the pastor said, how did he die? And, and she answered and said, said well, the, the sickness finally got to him. But there's something I need to, need to tell you about. And it was the strangest thing. My dad was really weak. But when I came in that night when he had died, my dad had somehow crawled out of bed and laid his head on that chair and passed away. That's how I found him, with his head on the chair. When we pray, we're going to God. God the Father who enjoys having us in His presence. It's my prayer as we move forward through this series that it isn't simply a series, but it's my prayer that we would be people who know that when we go to God the Father, that He enjoys hearing us as we pray. Father, we pray now. As we reflect on these words, we ask that You would remind us Remind us of how much you care and how much you enjoy us and how much you enjoy the prayers of your people even though you're in heaven and we're not. Even though you're holy and we're only made holy because of what Jesus Christ did. And we're broken people and you're not broken at all. We would ask that you would guide this community of faith this community of Christ followers, that we would be a praying church, lifting up our prayers to You, offering them to You, and that we would then rest in Your lap saying, here it is, Father. This is what's going on in my life. And that we would then align ourselves with Your will and move forward with great confidence because You are a good, good Father who never lets us down. Help us, Father, to become a praying, a, a, a more praying church, coming to you with our needs, knowing that you hear them and you will respond with what's best. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.